But I'm really excited for this evening, and uh, we as a church uh, want to profile and understand that singleness is not a kind of secondary thing. Uh, you don't need to be married in order to be fulfilled um, or to be a true Christian in any way. Uh, and we want to learn as a church how we can ensure that we are diverse in, in that um, and open to God and that we're not favoring married people or kind of biological families in any way. Uh, and so hopefully this evening will be helpful as we will kind of learn and discuss things through. Sarah's got loads of uh, great, well-thought-out, well-researched uh, content on this. So I'm just going to pray uh, for the evening, and then I'll hand over to Sarah, who's going to take us through it. Father, I thank you for your grace to us. We thank you for the gospel, which is life for us, for all people. And as we come this evening, Lord, I pray that you would humble our hearts I pray that um, as we discuss things, Lord, I pray uh, against any s disunity among us, even if there's kind of different opinions and understandings, Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to be gracious and humble, and every conversation, every thought would be full of grace this evening. We would pray that you would anoint Sarah, we thank you for her, uh, and for how she is serving your church uh, in this way, and we just pray your anointing and blessing on her. And this evening, would you glorify yourself and bless your church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Over to Sarah. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. It's really nice to have you all here in front of me. And I hope that what we talk about today is going to be helpful to you and is going to bless this church. Um, so as you know, I'm Sarah. And I live in Portsmouth, and I go to Christ Central Church. And most of the time in the week, I work as a physiotherapist, and I work in Petersfield. So it's a bit random, popping around, uh, in the community. So it keeps me busy. And um, today, we're going to be talking about singleness. I'll tell you a bit more about myself later, but I can't tell you all in one go. <laughs> so uh, we're going to be talking about singleness, and particularly thinking about how we can celebrate singleness in the church, and it's really great. I know some people here who are married, so thank you for coming if you're married, because it's really important that we all hear about this. Now, uh, it might be that you come as a married person, you're thinking, I'm just here to support my single friends. But actually, I don't mean to be bleak, but there is a reality that potentially one day you might be single again. So it's really important to think ahead about how can we thrive in singleness. But also, there are challenges that single people face, and there are challenges that married people face, and it's, this is a space where we can talk about those things. So we don't put one on a pedestal, and we can actually love and serve each other well in the church. Now, I'm gonna tell you a little story about me. When I was young, about five, six, seven years old, I was a really peculiar blend of a tree-climbing obsessive any tree I saw, I was like, I reckon I could get up that. And my parents would turn their back, and they'd be like, where's she gone? Like, look up, there she is. Uh, so I loved climbing trees. But I also loved Barbie dolls, and I had an absolute obsession about Barbie dolls. And at one point, I amassed an empire of 21 Barbies, which I was quite pleased with. And whenever I had time at home, I'd be playing with them. I loved imaginative play, and I still do now. If I hang out with families, I'm like, hi, adults, where are the kids? Um, 
but uh, so I'd be busy in my imaginative play, and all of the goodies had American accents, and all the baddies were British, so I don't know what that was about. <laughs> Far too many Disney movies, I imagine. <laughs> Um, and they'd be having their adventures and whatever they would be up to, at the end, always the female protagonist of my story would meet the man of her dreams and they would get married. So I think as a child, I had this expectation that you would grow up and get married. And that has not been the case for me yet. So <laughs> um, I grew up in a Christian home I went to church when I was a child growing up, and I remember in my teenage years thinking that the boys in church were ridiculously immature. I just didn't want to spend time with them because all they wanted to do was blow things up or make an insane amount of mess and mud everywhere. So I was like, I can't, I can't cope with that. <laughs> Unless you're up a tree, then that's fine. Um, <laughs> And then I went to university, and I had this expectation that I would meet my husband there. And a lot of people had told me, yeah, you're going to meet your husband at uni. And that didn't happen. And then over the years, there have been some guys who have shown me attention, but it's just not worked out for one reason or another. So I'm 37. I may not look it, but I am. <laughs> I had a birthday recently, and I was like, have I really 37? Maybe the seven, not the 30, but <laughs> I'm 37, I'm single, and I've never dated. So that might be put me in quite an unusual category that I've actually never dated anyone before. Um, but we can be single for all sorts of different reasons. It might be through bereavement, it might be, be through divorce, or it might be like me. You've just not met the right person. And... There are ups and downs, regardless your relationship status. So whether you're single, dating, married, there are challenges in all sorts of ways. Oh, you know, sorry, I'm really bad with, I, I probably should have said yes to someone clicking because I'm just talking at you and not clicking. Sorry. <laughs> That's the plan. <laughs> We've gone past that, never mind. Oh, and that was me saying hello. Okay, right, this is where we are. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Um, I hope you don't mind me just rambling at you. <laughs> yes, challenges. So there are challenges, no matter what your relationship status, but there are challenges that are unique to singleness. Um, although I must say on the list that I've written, I wonder if you are married, some of these you might say, actually, that is a challenge for me too. Um, I want you to think about this for yourselves in your heads. If you're single, which hopefully some of you are here, um, what are the challenges that you face as a single person? What do you find difficult in this time of your life? And as a married person, maybe you can just spend some time thinking, what do you think would be a challenge for a single person, or what was a challenge for you when you were single? Now, some of these are not necessarily that obvious, but these are what I've thought of. Hopefully you can see that. So loneliness is something that I experience from time to time. Uh, I live on my own, and over the years I've had lodgers, loads of them actually. It was really fun, about 15 in something like 10 years. There's quite a lot of people coming and going, so that's been really great. 
but at the moment I'm living by myself. And it is lonely coming home uh, to an empty house that's sometimes cold. I've only got half the house with working radiators at the moment, so it's a bit chilly. <laughs> um, you know, cooking for one, uh, not having someone to come home after work and just sort of generally offload to. I think sometimes that's quite nice to do that, as long as you're not burdening the other person. Um, and then no one to sort of snuggle up with on the sofa. Like these are just things that sometimes can be challenging, being by yourself. Dealing with practicalities alone. Now, um, as I told you, I'm living by myself at the moment. I've actually just recently moved house and bought a fix-up project. <laughs> and my friend said to me, money pit, before I bought it. And I was like, no, it'll be fun. It's not sort of fun, medium fun. <laughs> um, so I'm going through a stage of loads of tradesmen coming in and out. Uh, there were plasterers in my house today, creating clouds of dust everywhere. Um, and like the whole of the first floor is uninhabitable unless you're a brick or a bit of dust or something that might want to live there at the moment, not me. Um, so I'm kind of down in one room in the lounge. It's the only place I'm trying to keep clean and tidy, and that has a working radiator. So <laughs> that's my current situation. Um, from having block drains and leaks in the roof, uh, walls coming, well, bricks coming down off the wall. Uh, so there's lots and lots of decisions that I'm making at the moment. And also there's lots of things where I'm, you know, I want to do something, but I can't because I've only got two hands. I can't hold something and drill it or step back and check it looks right. So I'm really facing this time of it's hard to be single sometimes. I wish I could just have someone around who could help me come alongside me, make these decisions together, that I don't have to um, carry that myself. So there, there are challenges in the practical sense. And you, you know, don't, not even talking about your car, <laughs> that's another thing, but <laughs> my car is okay at the moment. Um, parenting alone. Now, when we talk about singleness, we can't forget that some single people are single mums or dads, and they might have um, families that they're looking after by themselves. So actually, that comes with its own challenge of having to make the decisions for the household on your own and also raising children by yourself, um, and that's not easy. Um, not having milestones that are celebrated. Now, if you are single and you've been married before, this may not be relevant for you, but me being single, never dated, it is relevant. So I just speak for my own sake, if you don't mind. Um, I don't have the milestones of an engagement, a wedding day, uh, anniversaries, or births to celebrate. And quite often these are moments that we might celebrate in church or have gatherings for. Um, so there are sort of, there's nothing really that stands out, apart from graduation maybe, <laughs> um, that would be like a milestone that people would celebrate with me in, in my life or in, in single people's lives. Um, Having, living with unmet desires for marriage and a family. I think it's not always easy to be content in singleness or marriage. I'm, I speak in the point of view of singleness now, but married people, you might bet, yeah, it's not easy either. But <laughs> for the sake of this, um, it's a really good thing to desire to be married and to desire to have children. This is a good, godly thing to desire. 
And sometimes it's hard when God hasn't given you that now. And it can make you feel this sort of, um, almost like a challenge in yourself of like, oh, it's really hard, Lord. I really would love that. But I know I'm living in this, in singleness now. So sometimes I feel this sense of tension. And then facing conventional expectations. Now, this is sort of the general laws of our society. So I've told you that I work as a physio in the community in Petersfield. And Petersfield is possibly a bit like Chichester. The demographic, lots of older people, quite well-to-do. And when I see some of my patients, they love to be like, do you want a cup of tea? Do you want a coffee? Do you want to sit and have a good chat with me? And partially I'm like, well, I've got to also give you a treatment, but yes, let's have a chat. And sometimes it turns to wanting to know a bit about me. Uh, Inevitably, there'll be the question of, do you have any children? No. Do you have a husband? Tell me about him. No, I'm not married. Uh, Do you have a boyfriend? No. (laughs) Oh, why not? Is quite often I face that (laughs) and I have to explain, well... I'm a Christian, and I do believe that God has a plan, and actually, I'm happy. I am happy, <laughs> as I am. Um, and then sometimes my parents' friends will ask them. My parents live in Enfield in North London, so they're not, they're not local. Uh, so their friends don't see me around a lot. Uh, their friends might ask them, oh, is Sarah still single? Has she met anyone yet? Uh, yeah, she's still single. And then occasionally, they'll get the response of, oh, don't worry, he's just around the corner. Now, you know what, can you just tell me, married people maybe, <laughs> where is that corner in life? <laughs> I have yet to walk around it <laughs> and meet Mr. Wright standing there waiting for me. <laughs> um, it's probably an example of sometimes when we say things that are not always that helpful. <laughs> Um, And I don't know why, but occasionally I get this feeling that some people almost pity me a little bit, like, oh, you're 37, don't worry, be fine, you'll meet someone, just keep going. Um, And I think, just being real with you, that I I can have this sensation of being stuck on the shelf, (laughs) that sort of everyone has moved on in life, and I'm a bit like the toy in Toy Story that's like fallen down the back and is sat in the dust wheezing, (laughs) if you know the film. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the voice of social convention can sound loud and persuasive that, you know, know, be married, have kids, and and look at all the stuff that's happening that involves kids and husbands and wives, and, and then there's you. Um, it's so easy to believe the lie that you would be happier and more content if you had what they have. So I think these are just some challenges that I face and maybe some of you can relate to. But we don't want to listen to the voice of the world. We want to listen to God's voice. He is truth. That's who he is. And so what he says is far more important, and he is our benchmark and our foundation that we want to live our lives on. So scripture has lots of really uh, brilliant things that we want to live by, and I've got some uh, key things here I just want to share with you. So, Bible truths. (laughs) First of all, I I hope you can read that. I'm going to read it from here. Colossians 1.16, For in him all things were created, 
things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So we have been created by God primarily for him. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We are God's special possession. We are all treasured by him. Romans 8, 28 to 29. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. The Lord is working for our good so that we will be more like Jesus. Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has good works for us to do for him. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. So there are seasons in life. Joe and I were talking about this earlier, that um, when we talk about seasons, all of these truths, like, all, they're all true in God. And it's a little bit like, I was saying to Joe, it's a bit like a diamond, that you turn it and every facet is a truth. And they're all united in him. And so the fact that there are seasons in life means that there are seasons of marriage, there are seasons of singleness. For some, maybe, for me, my season of singleness might be my whole life. And that's fine if that's what God wants for me. I'd far rather be living for him and trusting in what his best is for me than questioning that. But for some people, there's been a, single, a season of singleness before you were married. Now you're in a season of marriage. Maybe you will also then have another sing season of singleness yet to come. Um, so this is unique for each person, but it's just to encourage you that there are seasons, and it's not necessarily the case that you will always be single. 1 Corinthians verse seven, verse, chapter 7, verse 7. I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. That's Paul speaking. Singleness and marriage are both gifts. Now, when we talk about them being gifts, it doesn't mean that you are uniquely gifted with the ability to cope with being single or the ability to be married. It is a gift in itself. There is a gift in singleness. There is a gift in marriage. And finally, Proverbs 19, verse 21. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So many are our dreams and our plans, but it's God's plan, his purpose that prevails. So just to summarize all of those truths together, 
God created us to be his precious people, and we will become like Jesus through the good works and unique gifts he has given us in his plan. So hopefully that can help. I've talked about the challenges of singleness, and sometimes, because I'm speaking about my own experience, it can make me feel like, oh, I've just reminded myself of all the things I find difficult and more. <laughs> but isn't it helpful for us to lift our eyes up from our lives and to remind ourselves of what is more true than this passing, transient life that we're in now. That we are made by God to be his, precious to him, and that he is working in us to make us more like Jesus, and he is the one who gifts us in his plan. Now, uh, so we're going to change direction now and think about blessings because actually there are rich blessings in singleness. Ah, okay. So again, thinking for yourself in a couple of seconds, why don't you turn your thoughts to what has been a blessing or what are blessings for you as a single person or as a married person? Please don't feel excluded from thinking about what's a blessing for you. <laughs> but what have been blessings for you in your, in your situation in life? And I'm going to share with you some of my thoughts about what has been a blessing for me in being, in being single. So, time. I do have a fair amount of time compared to some of my married friends, especially if they've got children. <laughs> um, and, and yet I do fill my time. So I don't feel like I actually have time, but I think that's because I've stuffed it full of loads of things, <laughs> uh, which is a real pleasure. Um, but as a single person, I have got the privilege of choosing what I do with my time. And, um, you know, I can be there for people. I can, um, you know, go out in the evening. I don't have to get a babysitter. I can sort of, I'm flexible in that sense. So that's a real blessing to have that. Um, also, I have freedom of finances. So, again, I speak in my own unique circumstances, being a single person with no dependents. Um, and with no like, older parents who are needing my support. Um, but at the moment, I have the freedom to use my finances as I want to, like my money pit that I'm currently working on, <laughs> which I hope it won't be a money pit. Um, the opportunity to travel. And this has been such a blessing for me in my life to be able to explore the world. And I encourage you, if you're single and or married, and you have the means, then go and explore the world, this wonderful place that God has made for us to live in. Go and see it for all its wonders. And the opportunity to serve the Lord with flexibility. So again, not having any dependents or someone else that I have to consider at home, I can go and be on the band at half eight in the morning. I can, you know, um, go on a mission trip if I wanted to, or Maybe some of you have done that before. And so there is freedom in being single that you can use your time and opportunity to serve the Lord flexibly. Not having to carry someone else's hardships. So in a sense, there is an ease that I don't have to bear someone else's burdens at home. Now, that is actually probably a flip side. There is a blessing in carrying someone's burdens, but there is a hardship in that too. 
and having the opportunity to have deep and broad friendships. Um, as a single person, I have the time and opportunities to meet up with students or with other single people or to go and hang out with my friends and their kids who are married. And that means I've got friends of all ages um, and older people too. And it's also a privilege to be gaining family and support networks in the church. And I can't tell you the joy it brings me to go and play with my little nephews and nieces or little brothers and sisters in church as I adopt them all. <laughs> um, so it's such a joy to have family. And we, we can't forget that when we're single. Just take a moment to remember that you're not really alone. I know you are sometimes alone, but we're part of this, all of us. We're in, in this family together. And this is what we want to be fostering through talking about singleness. While it is a word about being alone, you're not alone. We're actually one. There's so many pictures in the Bible about unity, and there's one that we're going to be looking at in a minute. Um, but the body, um, the vine, like we're, all, we're all connected together in Christ, and we want to thrive and live in that. So what we're going to do now is have a little look at one of those images of unity, and that is us being the bride of Christ. And I'm going to ask Kim to come and read that for us, and you'll have it on the screen. So this is from Revelation 21. Are you all right? Yeah. Okay. Where am I reading that from? The whole chapter, please. <laughs> Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. One of the seven angels, who had seven bowls full of the seven last plagues, came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high, and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There, there were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. 
The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length, and as wide and high as it is long. The angel measured the wall using human measurement, and it was 144 cubits thick. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a gate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelfth gate were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was gold, as pure and as transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut. For there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you. That's amazing, isn't it? It's so exciting. This is our certain future. And it's so helpful for us to spend time looking at this, as I said earlier, we want to regularly orientate ourselves towards what is more real than what is now. This is everlasting. What is now is passing away. Now, I just want to pull out a few things from this chapter that are helpful when we think about how, what our reality is in Christ. Now, what I'm going to talk about now is relevant for all of us, whether you're single or married. So hopefully, you are all going to be encouraged. But um, as a single person, I find this particularly helpful. I hope you all will. Um, but it just really helps my heart when I have an ache in my heart for someone who would care for me, I look at Christ and I know he, care, he has cared for me before I was made. He cares for me now. He cared for me at the cross and he cares for me into eternity and he will be a husband now um, to, to us. <clears throat> now, I don't want to un, un, uh, talk too much about what I'm going to tell you in a second, so <laughs> uh, can't give it away. First of all, In the passage, it's a description of the Bride of Christ as a city coming down out of heaven. Now, that is a a description of us as the church. We are the Bride. Now, the city is a connected unit. You may recall from the passage... I can flick back and see if I can show you. Um, This will kind of show you a bit. Yeah, here we go, the city. Um, It's a connected unit, 
all, all in one in a square. So it is united. It is not divided up into uh, there were multiple villages that came down from heaven. It is one unit. So we, as the church, are the bride of Christ. There is a sense that there is individual relationship with Christ, but what is greater than that is that we, as the church, are his bride. We are an intimate, connected unit that we belong together, so much so that there is this image of us being a building, a, 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 a city, sorry, a city, together. The bride is also the complete people of God. In Revelation, if you've read it, there are lots of numbers and pictures, and it can be a bit confusing. Thankfully, some people have explained it, and <laughs> you can find uh, explanations of what the numbers mean and what they refer to. And the number 12 is often referred to re to relate to God's people and a sense of completeness of God's people. So it can represent the Old Testament tribes or the New Testament disciples, but it is a sense of God's people and it's a complete number. Through the passage, it's repeated 12, 12, all over the place. But you can't, you can't get away from it. Where have we got 12? I may have gone past it. Uh, there's 12, there's lots of 12s in there. 12 gates, uh, 12 angels, there's lots of 12s. There is also 144,000 that is related to the number of people. Now again, this is picture language, and what it's talking about is 12 times 12, so complete number times a complete number times 1,000, so it's a complete large number, which is all of God's people. So, praise God, there's going to be a number beyond count in heaven. And we are part of that. One day we'll get to see the blessing of all of our brothers and sisters united together as the bride of Christ. We're part of something far greater than we will see now. The beauty of the bride. The bride is dressed for her husband, and she's dressed in her best. As you see here, she, has, she is adorned with precious jewels and pearls. And she shines with the glory of God. So God is going to make us very precious, something that is more than we can have now, with more treasure and more riches than we have now. And this is something he adorns his bride with. God will dwell in her midst. Now, forgive me for skipping around a bit. In verse 3, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. We will see him. He will be with us in our midst. And a reminder of um, God dwelling with his people in verse 16 The city is laid out like a square, as long as it is wide, and also um, as wide and high as it is long. So effectively, it's a cube, a cube shape. And that reminds, reminds us of the Holy of Holies in the, in the Old Testament tabernacle, which was a cube shape as well, with the curtain surrounding it. 
And that was where the presence of God dwelt among his people. But that was in a time when only one person could go in, into that curtain, the high priest, once a year. So God's holy presence was really restricted because of the sin of the people. And um, you know, only once a year could someone go in under very special circumstances with lots of rituals, um, washing and wearing the right clothes and sacrifices. But now, here is what is like the Holy of Holies, a cube shape, but God is in the midst and we are there too. No more will there be a curtain blocking us from him. He is amongst us and we will be with him. But it's not just the case that God will be with us. He will be intimately with you. Intimately with you as an individual. It says in verse 4, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Now, you can't wipe someone's tears from a distance. You can't sort of get a stick with a little soft thing on the end and sort of wipe them. You'll poke them in the eye. It'll be really like you can't, you're doing a kind thing and then you jab them. It's not very helpful. <laughs> you have to come up to someone and look them in the face and then wipe their eye gently because our eye is really tender and delicate. So you have to be soft and gentle with someone's eye. And that is how God will be with you. He will come to you and stand in front of you and wipe away your tears and be tenderly with you. And this is our future. It is a truth now that we are in Christ, that he has loved you that much in tender love. But there is a reality that we will see that in the new heavens and the new earth, the tender love of our God, each one of us. Um, all is new the pains that we have now will be gone. Our hearts will be entirely satisfied in Christ. But there is also a warning in this passage. You may or may not have noticed, because sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the beauty and the wonder, but there is also a sense of warning. There are those who are on the inside and those who are on the outside those who have been disobedient, the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So it's, there is that reminder that there are those who are, who are the bride, the inside, and those who are on the outside. It's a reminder to us all that are we trusting Jesus for our salvation? Are we treasuring the giver of life? We all make mistakes and we all sin. But if we repent and come to Christ for forgiveness, we are the, in, we are the bride. We are in, on the inside, uh, prayerfully walking in step with his spirit, thankful for his mercy and grace over our lives. But it is also a warning of the cost of forsaking God's truth, a reminder not to make an idol of marriage. Christ is the greatest treasure for us all. We don't want to look at the trailer, marriage, and miss the movie, which is him. He is 
the end in itself. We want to get the desire the right way round. Our heart's desire, single or married, is for him. And, and marriage is an echo of what is to come. He is the greatest treasure, like the parable about the man who found treasure in a field and sold everything he had so that he could buy that field. He is the treasure worth giving everything for, worth surrendering our hearts to. He is the prize worth holding on to. Right, let's see how much I've not kept up. <laughs> These are the points that I was talking about just now. Okay, application. So I just want to give you some time now to, for us to think about, so what do we do with this? What do we do with thinking about the ups and downs of singleness? We're thinking about our rich future in Christ, which is a, an assurance now. How can we live this out in the church? Now, there are lots of unique circumstances for singles in, ch in our churches, churches, and I'm not necessarily going to address them all. So when I talk about these things, there may be some other things that you think will be practically useful for you, depending on people's circumstances here. So please carry on working these things through. But I hope that some of these principles will be helpful for you all. So, being Christ-centered. Now, we've already talked about not necessarily feeling content or happy in our season with, in life. And it's really, really easy to compare your life with someone else's and uh, think that we would be happier if we had that. Now, um, I've, I've struggled with comparison over the years. And one way that I, I felt comparison was when I used to run in races at school. I used to run the 200-meter race, and if you've ever uh, ran an athletic race, you might know the 400-meter track is like an oval shape, and 200 meters starts on the curve, so then you'll finish on the straight, and so you're all staggered before you start your race. I remember many times in secondary school standing at my place thinking, someone's got this wrong. Like, how can this be a fair race? Like, that, they're ahead of me to start with. They've got at least like three meters ahead of me. But at least those guys, you know, I've got, I'm a bit ahead of them, so I'll be all right. Uh, you know, obviously there's no logic there that it's the same distance. <laughs> but as I was running, I remember thinking, um, you know, keep an eye that they're not catching up on you. Keep an eye on them, got to get past them. But if you're running a sprint, which 200 meters is a sprint race, you can't run fast and look right and left. Um, I mean, I can't even walk, walk straight and turn my head. I don't know if that happens to you. I turn my head and I go the opposite way. <laughs> but running is even worse. So, you know, you've got to look straight when you're running. You can't look right or left. You're actually going to slow down if you do that. So when you're sprinting to win the race, you've got to keep your eyes down on your lane. That's all you're interested in, your lane, Run fast and look at the finish line. And that's what the Bible calls us to. Run the race to win the prize. Run with perseverance. Your race, run your race that God has called you to, which is unique for you. Run it to win the prize. Don't look left or right. Because God has blessed us all, but he's blessed us all uniquely. He's blessed 
person in your next door lane with a slower lane. <laughs> no, it's not true. Um, you know, we, we, we can't look left or right and think that's going to make us more satisfied. What God has given you is for your best, and that is right ahead of you. And that is him. And this is where we need to practice this so often because the voice of the world is so loud that other things will satisfy you. But the ultimate truth is it is in Christ alone. Your creator, your king, your shepherd, your lover, that is him. It doesn't get better than that. He is the end. And as a church, we want to practice talking about him and encouraging each other and turning each other's eyes towards him. So when we're struggling, whether it is in singleness or in marriage, or if it is in other things in life, all sorts of other things we struggle with, let's keep turning each other to Christ, loving him and worshipping him and keeping him rightly in our hearts as number one. Also, we want to be real about how we're doing. Um, it's really interesting. Recently, I've, so I'm 37, as I've told you, I'm, I've never dated. And like most of my life, I've actually been very content with being single. And potentially, that's why I've not necessarily like run after people that have been interested in me. Like sometimes I'll be like, oh no, it's all right, <laughs> it's fine. Um, and I've just been busy, you know, in my, in my 20s, I was, I was busy sort of going through general stages of first car, first house, first job, that sort of thing, um, just generally getting on with life. Um, I'm very happy in church and, you know, enjoying stuff. Um, and then only recently, I went to see my sister, and my sister has a boy who is Elijah, who is going to be nine on New Year's Day, and then she has a little girl called Erin, who is one years old. So there's quite a big age gap between them. And Erin, a year ago, I remember going to visit them when she was born, and holding her in my arms, my little niece, um, for the first time. She was just the cutest thing ever. And it was strange, because I remember feeling this sudden stirring in me th that I hadn't felt before, and a deep sadness that, ah, oh, I think I'd love this. I think I'd love to hold my own child. I think I'd love to have someone who, you know, we would raise this child as my husband, and that would be our delight. And it, I'd never felt that before, and it suddenly hit me when I was holding my niece. Um, and, yeah, it, made, it kind of took me by surprise, I suppose. And that's something I've just been processing kind of since, since then, thinking, okay, so... You know, I never felt like that kind of real heart heartache about being single and not a parent. Um, and that's something that I've realized. I think I've been a little bit like my namesake in the Bible, Sarah, who laughed at God at the prospect of him being able to bless her with a child in her, her later life. Now, I know I'm not old. I'm 37. But still, <laughs> I, I am starting to feel a little bit more tired in my life. I'm, I'm busy, but um, sometimes I think, oh, I don't know if I'd manage it. Like, if I met someone who had kids now, like, I don't know if I've just sort of missed the prime of my life in my 20s and early 30s. And kind of a little bit disbelieving that God could bless me 
with a husband and with children now. And um, that's been a little bit of my journey with God, to realize that I think I'm putting a full stop in my life, that that's it, that maybe I would have loved that, but, and I didn't realize I would have loved that, but my day is done and this is my lot now. Um, so I think it's helpful to really analyze your heart and, and to talk about it and to say, okay, I didn't realize that, that I think I'm putting a limit on what God could do in my life. Um, and maybe we can do that. We can think, oh, I'll never meet someone or oh, I'll never be, be able to have what they have. Um, but that is not our God. He is a God who has a higher plan than we can see. And praise God, we have the blessing of the Bible and we can look back and see all these people who had unlikely stories. We don't get to read all the in-between bits where they had the day-to-day -day struggles, but we get to see the turnaround when Hannah prayed, God answered her. And when Rachel prayed, God answered her. You know, you get these examples of amazing stories, people who trusted in God, and through a lifetime, you see his blessing over them. Um, I think also what's helpful about being real is if we're real in the context of church life, and you're not just real with your single friends, you get to hear what reality is like for married couples too, and families, and it helps to balance your perspective of what it would be like to be married. It kind of changes the roads, tinted spectacles, or the grass is greener. You're like, oh no, it's just the same shade as my grass, actually. It's just, uh, you know, there, you've got a muddy patch there and I've got one here. So <laughs> it just helps us to, to stay in a real world. And like I told you, I, I loved imaginative play and I have like a Disneyland in my head and I do dream that I will meet this Mr. Wright and he'll be wonderful and he'll definitely come on horseback. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we, there is a reality that we all have ups and downs and it's helpful when married couples talk about the ups and downs of marriage so that as single people, we can be grounded in our expectations. Um, an, an example for you is loneliness. Now, um, a couple of years ago, when the Commission Festival wasn't running, I think it was the year before this year, um, our church in Portsmouth, we had a weekend away in the August Bank holiday just for our church. And I had come from a youth camp that I help, help on, and I was really tired. So I think I was a bit emotional <laughs> when I arrived. And I, I came a bit late, everyone else was already there. And um, they were all set up, and I walked in, and I saw like all the kids running around, all the families doing stuff. Um, and as time went by, I just thought, wow, like where is my place here? I just feel like I'm on the outside of my own family. Like, I just, you know, I, I don't know where I belong. Like I'm, I'm just not, I'm not a parent. I'm not um, part of this. I just had this like strong impression that this space was for families and I'm on the outside. Um, and I, I shared that with one of my friends at the time on that weekend away, and she's a mum of four kids. Um, she asked me, how are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm actually really struggling with feeling lonely here right now. And she said, you know what, it's really strange she said that because exactly what you've just said, feeling lonely, 
I've been feeling that too. Um, I'm, I'm kind of cut away from people because I've got four kids and inevitably there's always one of them that there's a problem. There's always one that's, you know, something's, they're crying or, you know, they need to have time alone in the tent and I've got to be with them. So I can't be part of what's going on. Um, and there was a real practicality about that with her that she, she physically couldn't be with everyone. Um, and she's like, but exactly what you said, I feel lonely. And then I happened to speak to an older lady who was there, who was married. And again, the same conversation, how are you? And I was like, oh, I'm actually struggling. Like, I'm feeling a little bit on the outside. I know it doesn't make sense because that's nonsense, but I do feel it. And the old, older lady, this friend of mine, she said, so do I. Like, exactly what you're saying. I feel on the outside. And I was like, hang on a minute. There's something going on here. This is definitely a lie, isn't it? Exactly the same story, but three really different scenarios. A single person, a married lady, and a mum of four kids. Um, the devil is busy. He's busy amongst us, trying to cut us off, trying to isolate us. It's a little bit like a wolf coming in and sort of just steering you away from the, the pack that you're in. Um, it's not true. This is why we need to talk about these things. Uh, more often than not, the devil is, is stirring things up and making it more. Like there might be an element of truth there that you might feel alone, but it's not actually as bad as you, you think it is because everyone's feeling the same. So maybe we could just not feel alone and just hang out together. <laughs> um, but I think there is... You know, I could have stayed on my own and not talked about it. And I know times when I've done that, I feel like I stir it up to a point where I get so lost in myself. Um, but it's so unhealthy. And as soon as I voice it, you realize you're, you're not alone. Um, other people can understand you. Um, another thing about being real is to be real with God about how you're doing and to pray. And like I said about me sort of being a little bit like Sarah in the Bible distrusting him, coming with your hearts and your heart's desires before God and being honest with him. You know, God, this is how I feel. I kind of feel like I've missed it. I've missed, I've missed the marriage train. It's kind of gone and I'm at the platform still. Um, what can I do with that? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to be okay. But at the same time, I don't want to stand still in life. And, you know, sometimes... There can be times when you feel that trouble you're facing almost stops you from living. And that's awful because, you know, there's so much about life for us to thrive in. Um, and again, that's the devil robbing us of, of life and joy. So let's be real with God. Let's be honest in your heart. Keep checking your heart um, and laying it before him and receiving the balm of his care for you and encouragement that his plans are perfect for you. Let's be good stewards. Now, as a single person, you may have the gift of more time, money, abilities, or resources, and we want to use what we have to bless God's kingdom and to bless the church and serve him, um, which might look like serving in your church. Um, come and ask whoever's in leadership here. Uh, how can I serve? <laughs> how can I use my time and resources to bless this bride that I'm part of? 
let me come and be involved. So if you're not serving or if you'd like to change what you're doing and do something different, then come and ask and be part of what, what's happening here. Um, giving generously. Now, it might be that you're in a time of life where you have more freedom of resources. Give generously. Um, and also, use your time when you're in church for quality conversations. So as a single person, when I'm in church, I don't have to go and get the kids, or I don't have to think about what my husband's doing and in case you know, he wants me to be part of that conversation. I'm free to roam around and chat to whoever I think could do with some time. So stand in the room and look and see who looks like they might be on their own, who looks like they might be a bit sad, who looks really happy and you're like, I want to know what's happening there. Be, be part of the life of church in the, in the little tiny details that all really matter. And inviting people over. So um, this is a challenge, I suppose, for married couples. Um, don't only just invite singles over when you're wanting a babysitter. <laughs> Do you have them over to hang out with them as, as uh, a person <laughs> rather than a resource? Um, so think about it from that point of view, like do, do we actually spend time with each other, getting to know each other? Um, singles, do you invite married couples over to your home um, or families over to your homes? Um, or do you go out for walks together? Um, are you waiting for a married couple to take the initiative for you? Or are you going to do something about it? Because we're all responsible for this family life that we're living in. We're all responsible to take the next step. Um, and like I said, it's so easy to sort of wallow in your loneliness and not be the one to take the initiative. Um, so if you'd like to be part of each other's lives, then you ask and don't wait to be asked because the other person's probably thinking, oh, I'd love to ask them, but I don't know how to say it. And then you'll probably be like, oh, I wanted to ask you anyway. Okay, be great friends. So as singles, we have the potential um, to have more time, energy, and emotional capacity, potentially, more than marrieds, especially parents, who might be at their limit, <laughs> looking after all their little people. Um, we can be really great friends, so be intentional about it, and on really easy terms as well. Um, so we've kind of mentioned about making the initiative to go and spend time with married couples, well, you could, <laughs> you could actually invite yourself over to their house so that they don't have to have a babysitter. So you might say, you know, so-and-so, I'd love to get to know you better as a couple. Can I just come and hang out with you? And I'm going to bring some cake or something like that. That'd be really great. I'm sure it will bless them. Um, it is really normal for us to gravitate to people who are like us. And in a big church here, I'm sure that happens. It's natural. Uh, there might be little groups of, of you who've got similar interests, and it might be that singles are forming a little group and marrieds are forming a, a group, and it's not sort of obvious, but it's who you tend to spend time with, and it's sort of easy because your lives are on the same rhythm. And there is something that's normal about that, but also as church family, we're called to go against that as well and to make sure that we are friends intentionally with people who are not naturally fitting into our uh, stage of life. So um, try to sit next to different people when you're here. Try and have a chat um, to different people. 
And finally, being family. So some of these things we've, we've talked about here. Um, but earlier, I mentioned about being single, that you don't necessarily have any milestones that are celebrated in your life. And as a church, it can be healthy for us to think about what can we do about that to honor singles, to honor the way they're using their time and their resources. So if you have singles in your church who are involved in summer camps or mission trips or who are involved in serving in the church, um, why don't you maybe take the opportunity to share with the church what they've been doing to honor them for the time that they're using their the way they're using their life to serve God. Um, another thing that's really helpful is um, as family, uh, those who are married with kids, you, you may or may not agree, but it's generally observed to be challenging to raise children. Um, whereas as singles, uh, we'd love to be part of it. Well, I would at least. So <laughs> if you want me to come out with your kids, I'd happily do so. Uh, is an assumption that singles would enjoy hanging out with kids. So just check before you invite singles around. But um, this is what the joy of being part of a family is that you do get to have little nephews and nieces and live in that. You know, marrieds, let the, the singles into your lives. They can help you. They can help you with extra hands to hold your, your little hands as, as you're going out to the park. Um, they can help you by praying for your children as, as they get to know them. So why don't we open our doors and, and live lives in and out of each other's homes, which is a lot like how it used to be in the early church. You get this feeling of in and out, in and out of homes as the church is met in homes. Now, um, earlier I said that my name is Sarah Grimm. Did I say my name is Sarah Grimm? I don't think I said it. My name is Sarah Grimm. Now, there's lots of... <laughs> I was talking to Joy about this. Joy. She's somewhere here. Joy. <laughs> that um, if I ever did meet someone, it'd be really fantastic if his name was Reaper. Then we'd definitely have a double-barrel surname. <laughs> just for fun. Um, so if you know a single Mr. Reaper, just let me know. <laughs> But my full name is Sarah Estegrim. Now, if you think about who those people were or what those names mean or what those people did, my name translates as Princess Queen Fairy Tale, <laughs> which is no wonder that I'm a dreamer. So I, I just have to blame my parents for that. <laughs> but we all have a heart longing for a happy ending. And this, obviously, our stories tell that. There's so many books and, and films that, you know, we want it to end well, right? It's always a bit disappointing when it doesn't. You're like, ah. Oh. Because happy endings are an echo of a greater reality, our heart is longing for what is true. And what a joy as Christians, that is ours. The ultimate happy ending, the ultimate resolution of all your heartaches is coming. It's a reality in a distant sense now. God in Christ has um, resolved everything in him. It's just we're living in the ups and downs of, of the now. But it's the passing now, and the reality is grounded in him. All the loose ends tied up in Christ. Marriage is a picture of a greater reality. And... 
And yet, it's really helpful if married couples um, let us into your lives and, and flourish and show, show marriage off to its best because it acts as a signpost. To see marriages thriving, to see the beauty of, of how marriage is, is intended, um, it points all of our hearts to, to what is real for us all in Christ. The end of times when we will be united with him. And um, so what I'd like you to do now, we've only got about 10 minutes, but I'd like you to turn in groups. So you can sit in pairs or in little groups, maybe try and mix up a bit. I'd like you to have a little discussion based on what we've talked about. Um, if you're in your groups of singles, or if you're mixed groups, singles, what could you do to love and serve your church family in your singleness? And marrieds, what could you do to love and uphold and serve singles in your church? So probably about roughly 10 minutes for you to sit and just chat that through. Try and be really practical about this. How are you going to work this out in your church? How is this going to change the flavor of your church? What we do in this is actually a work for eternity. Because we are the bride of Christ, this lasts into eternity. So the way we love and bless and serve each other with our gifts goes on and on and on into eternity. So let's work on that because it's certainly worthwhile. Great. I'll leave you to chat about that. Okay. Um, sorry to stop you from chatting. But please let this be an ongoing conversation. Hopefully it's helped you to start to think about what you can do practically in your church here to integrate and mix and talk about things and be honest and be real and be in and out of each other's lives. Um, I'm just going to finish by praying for us and then Joe will probably say something. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this evening. We thank you for you being with us and helping us to think about the subject of singleness and the ups and downs and primarily to look at, at Christ. And we just really pray, Father God, that you would help all of our hearts um, to have your balm in it, to have the balm of your love poured over our hearts, a reminder of the truth that we are in Christ, that we are secure, that we are loved more than we could possibly know, and that we have a certain future together in Christ, um, being with you, God, for all eternity. And I just really pray that you'll help us all with the practicalities of, of the now, um, help us with uh, our heartaches, um, and also with serving and blessing each other. Um, may we be really useful to you, God, and um, running in all of the plans that you've given us, um, that we would all focus on what you have gifted us in, um, running to win the prize. Uh, and we just really pray, I pray particularly for the churches here um, in this network, that you would really bless the unity in these churches, in the, in the congregations here, that there will be such a deep sense of togetherness 
um, of one anothering, that everyone would feel free um, to share and talk honestly um, and, and really practically love and include each other, um, that this church will be a beautiful reflection of, of the city bride in Revelation. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Uh, show our appreciation for Sarah. Thank you so much. We really appreciate I mean, Sarah being very vulnerable this evening. And uh, yeah, I feel like all married people in the room should feel challenged and encouraged and single people feel challenged and encouraged, which is quite an art to do all of that uh, in an evening. And uh, so, yeah, thank you so much for, for what you've shared with us. And uh, we were kind of saying in our group, it's really helpful and I hope your conversation was as helpful as ours and just thinking it through and being uh, kind of intentional and practical but it but it's obviously kind of it's just one evening and then it kind of go from here and how can we uh, keep on the front foot with uh, trying to make sure that we are a church that is equally welcoming uh, so thank you so much just really really appreciate that uh, this evening and I hope yeah you have enjoyed it and felt encouraged and uh, as, as much as I have and thinking Things through, lots to think about uh, and uh, as we look to grow. But, that, but that's it for the evening. Thank you so much uh, for coming out. Let's just, again, one, let's do it again. Thanks, thanks, Sarah, for coming. And uh, as we keep growing it. But, but God bless you all. Bless you, Sarah. Thank you so much.